From the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our Old Testament reading comes from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. Hear now the word of God for you and for me. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is a name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kalicia. Any of the kiddos who are with us today, uh, you can meet Ms. Katie over there at the door. This is the time where you leave for your own worship service. And so you'll hear a good story about Advent, and you'll pray together. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> An exciting time for kids, for sure. Our second scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Luke. These are very familiar words. This is a beloved passage. So we pray that we hear them today with fresh ears, that we might see new things and believe anew again. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You all may or may not know this, but one of my favorite things to do as a pastor is to introduce people to the season of Advent. I love it. And I love this particular storytelling curriculum, you may have heard me talk about it before, called Godly Play. Now this is a children's curriculum, but that doesn't stop me from using it on all ages. And it is really, honestly, the most beautiful and meaningful interpretation of uh, what happens at Advent, the how and the why of Advent. So here's a little bit of it for you today. The storyteller starts the season with these words. 
Now is the time of the color purple, and everything has changed. Dramatic, isn't it? Well, then the storyteller helps the suspense build. You say the people were expecting a king. And a king did come, but it's not the sort of king that the people expected. This king didn't have a great army. This king wasn't riding on a big white horse. This king didn't have a castle to sleep in. No, this king was a baby who was born in a barn. And then, the most climactic moment of the story, there's a line that still gets me after a hundred tellings. I still feel goosebumps, even now, when you say, the king who was coming then is still coming now. And that is the mystery of Christmas. You go on to explain that the church decided a long time ago that we need four weeks to get ready to enter the mystery. The church decided a long time ago to give us the season of Advent to get ready to enter the mystery of Christmas because people are so busy, especially at this time of year. People are running around and buying different things. People are running around and going to this party or that. And people can get so busy, they'll walk right through the mystery and not even know it's there. So that's why we need to get ready. That's what we do at Advent. We get ready for the mystery of all that is to come to us at Christmas. And I was so pleased to see our sermon series for this Advent season because we are doing just that in this series. We are getting ready. So the sermon series is called Characters at the Crash, and the Advent devotional follows along with the sermon series too. Now in this series, we are slowing down a bit. We are considering some of the characters that show themselves in that very early nativity story. So we pause And we focus on each face, hoping that we will find something fresh and hear something new. We'll hear about the angels, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph. And we might read ourselves into the story, too. Into the mystery, too. A king who was coming then is still coming now. So our series starts today with me on the angels, and it's a good place to start. The verses that I read for you today, you probably know them. You might have even memorized them. I was listening to some Christmas tunes in my car on the way home from our Thanksgiving break. Maybe some of you guys are already listening to Christmas music too. And one of my favorite songs is introduced by a child reading this very passage in the King James Version of the Bible. So these are much-beloved verses where the angels appear, but they are not, by a long shot, the only place that angels show up in the Bible. Angels really are everywhere. From Genesis to Judges to Ezekiel and Daniel through the Gospels into Acts, prominently in the books of Hebrews and Revelation, angels are everywhere in our good news. 
Now, angels show up differently time to time. They can appear alone or they can come as part of an army, a host. They can be dazzling in glory or indistinguishable from humans. They are spiritual beings that serve God in the realm of nature or they are members of the divine council that sit on high deliberating with God. Sometimes they show up as encouragers, offering sustenance and support to people on a journey. And I have to say, they do earn their reputation as destroying angels, at times visiting evil spirits on people as powerful as Saul and Moses. But angels most often appear as they do in our passage for today. As messengers, as representatives on earth of our transcendent God, So angels come to earth as messengers for our great God. Now in Luke's gospel, the angels appear in many ways too. Not just in our passage today, actually before this passage, which is only in chapter 2, if you're reading through Luke's gospel, you'll have already seen two more angel appearances. In those appearances, you have the archangel, Gabriel. And Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and Elizabeth and announces to them the birth of their new child. And in that announcement, Gabriel actually gives them quite detailed instructions, even including what that baby's going to eat and drink. And then again, Gabriel comes a few verses later to announce to Mary that she will bear God's own son. Much later in the gospel, angels appear again. This time, they are at a grave in a garden where the stone has been rolled away. And this time, they come as two men in white clothes with a message for the women who have come to bury Jesus. And then today, we hear the story of the angels, and we see them in even a new way. This time, we don't have just the solitary visionary This time, the angels are an army, a host. And rather than specific news with the more detailed instructions, they have an expansive message. Good news for all people. Peace over the earth. So there are so many angels in the Bible and in the gospel. And they can look quite differently, and they appear very often and in many forms, but even as the angels look differently one from the next, there is one constant in all the stories. In Luke, the people who witness the glory of the angels are always scared. In Zechariah's story, scripture tells us he is gripped with great fear. And in Mary's story, the word that is used is perplexed, but this word has the same root word in Greek as fear. And then later, with the women who see the angels at the tomb, we hear from the gospel writer that they are both greatly afraid and perplexed. They actually bow down on the ground and hide their face in fear. And in the passage for today, we hear the shepherds, they are terrified. It's because part of the reason 
because of all these angel appearances, that one of the most repeated phrases in scripture is, do not be afraid. Because every time these angels touch down, they must immediately reassure their terrified humans. One of the commentators I read, Mary Beth Finkler, says in talking about the shepherds, though the angel tells them, fear not, their fear probably doesn't just disappear. And we can understand that. We are humans too. And they are just ordinary people out getting their work done in the field, attending to duties in the temple, trying to help at the gravesite of a friend. And all of a sudden, they don't know what to do when there's a blinding light and a message that absolutely changes their world. So if the angel isn't your favorite crush character to consider, if you're ready to move on to the shepherds and the mother and the father, you're actually in good biblical company. Angels are not particularly easy to relate to. But they are all over our story. There's a part of the godly play curriculum that I really love. And that's when, after you tell the story to your rapt audience, you open it up for discussion. And now the crafters of godly play are very intentional about how you do that. There are certain questions that you ask, and these, as we learned in our training, have been very thoughtfully and carefully considered. They are crafted with an idea around theological development, so that when you ask, after the story has ended and the children are raising their hands, when you ask what was the most important part in the story, well, you're encouraging critical thinking, and you're encouraging them to identify a main point. When you ask what part of this story is for you, you're engaging the listeners, helping them to develop a value, to see themselves and find what's most meaningful in this tale. Now, the final question that you ask is this. What part of the story would you leave out and we would still have all we need of the story? What part of the story would you leave out and we would still have all we need for the story? Now, this question was crafted to engage one's reaction to the Bible. So, uh, children oftentimes, and let's be honest, adults too, uh, find parts of the Bible story confusing or troubling or even boring. So this question helps them develop that skill to begin to notice what part doesn't sit well with them and begin to deal with what is difficult in our text. What part of the story would you leave out and have all the story you need? Well, did you know, the last time I told this Advent story, it was not long ago, a couple weeks ago, with youth group over in Fifield Hall, and I told the story, we had the expectant mother, the holy family, we had the shepherds and the angels, I even had the magical magi, we had shepherds pointing their way to Bethlehem, did you know what most of the teens in the room, the majority, 
decided did not want to be in the story. They voted off the angels. Boring? No. So troubling and confusing it is. I thought, well, actually, maybe this is why angels are first in our sermon series, so we don't have to linger too long on these unnatural and irrational beings with these wild messages that will change our worlds. But whether we want to talk about them or not, the angels are all over our good news. And it bears repeating, they're everywhere. In the Hebrew scripture and creation narrative and gospels and epistles and psalms and the post-exilic apocalyptic genre in the canon and in the apocrypha, the hosts, the holy ones, sometimes they call the stars. They appear again and again and again. As one scholar says, the prevalence of angels in the biblical narrative proves the ancients believed in these messengers from God. Now, does the prevalence of angels in the biblical narrative also prove that we should still believe in them too? Or does the prevalence of the angels in the biblical narrative prove that we open our eyes to the mystery? That if we allow for some uncomfortability, we might, too, know more of the message from God to us on earth. Does it not prove that we are in angel territory? And it is wild. But be not afraid. So this is the part in the sermon when I should tell a personal story about an encounter with someone who turned out to be angelic, but I don't have it. Maybe after this series of sermons today, I'll have a story I can share from you. But I was in a meeting not long ago where the mystery of faith did appear. And now this meeting was full of people talking about detailed logistics. We are talking about five-year, 10-year plans, strategic visioning, details, logistics, all important things. But if I were to read us in that room as part of the biblical story, I would have put us squarely in the barn talking about animal husbandry and imagining the future shares of hay. I mean, we were in the muck, the mess of discipleship. But in the middle of dotting our I's and crossing our T's, around a decision that necessarily involved some hope in what was yet unseen, one of the leaders pulled us out of that barn and back into the field to look up at the night sky when he said, faith and what you feel means things. Maybe even more than we say in the commercial world. And I would add, faith and what we feel 
means things, maybe even more than what we say in the church world too. Friends, this year, don't miss the mystery of all that is to come. Do not miss this message to entertain the angels anew, to pause and to let them mediate to you a message that you might hear in their song, this ancient invitation to a new facet of your faith life. And if it feels confusing, that's fine. And if it's kind of scary, that's normal too. But before we move on to the shepherds, to the families, to messing in the muck, find yourself out in the fields. This is actually a literal instruction, okay? Go out to a field. <laughs> Lie down. Look up at the sky and count the stars. Try telling your story as one of trust, of taking steps, of finding a light that shines even in our own darkness and sing, and sing, sing to yourself, sing to your family, sing to the world and say it over and over again do not be afraid. We have nothing to fear. To you is born this day a Savior, a Messiah, the Lord. The King who was coming then is still coming now. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Alleluia. Amen.
And may you now go into this world that God loves so much, open to the mystery, okay with uncomfortability, and ready for the message of hope. And as you go, may you go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. May it rest and abide with us all now and forevermore. Alleluia. Amen.